Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. Last week, we had another one of our parent interviews. So if you haven't had a chance to take a listen to that, stop, go listen, and then come back. So today on the show, we have Kristen Martinez, who is the Clinical Director of Presence Learning. And we're so excited to hear more about your company, Kristen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess we'll dive right in. We kind of want to know more about you and more about the services that you provide um, and about your position as the clinical clinical director of presence learning and what kind of brought you to this role. Okay, sure. So just quickly for anyone who maybe has no idea what presence learning is, because <laughs> I I've, I've been talking about, I've been part of it for so long, but yeah. sometimes I forget that there are people who have, um, maybe have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so presence learning is a teletherapy company. Um, we started in 2009, so have been around for a bit in this, in this, um, realm and we provide services to K through 12. So we contract with school districts, contract with SLPs, as well as OT school psychs counselors, um, and provide services. So, I started as a therapist with presence learning um, back in 2013. So um, I, yes, I am an SLP. Um, I worked in, I'm here in Colorado. I worked in my local school district um, and in some private practice for about 13 years before moving over. Um, And it was not a planned move to teletherapy because I knew zero people doing teletherapy in 2013. (laughs) So um, it was really just as kind of circumstances came together where I had been taken a leave from my position for a bit, um, fully expecting to return and presence learning called and had kids in Colorado who needed services. So I thought, okay, sure. Why not? I can work, uh, you know, 10 hours a week, a little bit, and then head back. And after about a month of providing teletherapy and starting, I just fell in love with it. So I didn't look back. I've been with them ever since. So I did, um, started as a therapist with, with presence learning, but then moved through different positions, came on as, as on kind of on the employee side of things in 2015 and worked to support therapists accounts worked really closely with school districts, um, in about 13 States. I did that for about four years, um, and really helped to implement our services, you know, sometimes visited districts in person to help, you know, make understand what they needed, make sure services are going well. Um, and yeah, the last, I think it's going on almost three years now. I've been um, in a clinical director position um, for presence learning. So, which has been, so it's been really exciting to grow with the company and see teletherapy just expand and 
multiply. Yeah, I was going to say, it, yeah. must, it must be so interesting to watch mm-hmm. through this pandemic as teletherapy has just become so huge and you've been doing mm-hmm. it for so long. So you're like, this isn't new guy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like teletherapy through the pandemic has kind of gotten a bad rap and I don't know mm-hmm. if that's because you know, there, there's an adjustment, like there actually, there wasn't even an adjustment period. A lot of therapists were just thrown into it. Oh, completely. Um, so Mm. what would you say are some advantages to teletherapy? Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I really have been trying to help make the distinction between the last couple of years. Um, you know, I've been referencing it as pandemic era learning. Um, And because we all have had many different experiences, some positives, lots of negatives and things (laughs) that have just been stressful, especially for those of us who work with kids, work, work in the schools, provide therapy services. Um, There were a lot of hurdles and a lot of, I know, challenges um, that, you know, very different than teletherapy, which really has has been established for years. And, um, you know, if it's done, done well, if you have the right tools and supports and trainings, but that's not what most people experience. Most people were truly thrown into it overnight with, um, most of the time, I think not, not a lot of resources, not sometimes no training and just, you know, district said, well, go like figure this out whether you were with a school district or in private practice or whatever that was. So that's a very different experience. And so as we, as we first entered the pandemic and saw closures happening, I, I had that, that kind of panic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be, yes, everybody's going to be exposed to teletherapy. It's not all going to be good. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, as a company um, at that point started making our platform available. So we hadn't done that previously. So that was something new because we have our own platform that has been developed over the past decade. So we started making that available to all those therapists out there in districts that everybody needed to be providing teletherapy. And then we also developed training. So that is for those who actually worked with us. um, I certainly hope they had a much better experience because there are, I mean, there's tremendous advantages to teletherapy when you have everything in place that needs to be in place. So, you know, and that's part of just having experience and knowing, you know, the resources. So certainly the primary advantage has to do with the client, the student, because teletherapy was born out of the need for greater access and equity of services. That's why it exists um, because there were, so many students, and again, I work in the K-12 population, so I tend to refer to students, but who were going non-served or underserved chronically. Um, You know, the shortage of SLPs in the United States is well known and has been going on for at least 15 years. So that has a significant impact when kids can't get the services in a timely manner um, or at all or inconsistently. So that's the first not really advantage, but the essentiality of teletherapy is to, to basically to spread us out. You know, there's a certain number of us in the United States who are licensed and available to work with students. Mm -hmm. We don't all live in geographically where kids need us. So teletherapy takes care of that. 
And um, then for the therapist, there's some obvious things like if you want to work from home or if you want to work from a re remote setting, um, that's a very quick advantage. For me, one of the primary things that I discovered as I became a teletherapist to start with presence learning mm -hmm. is suddenly my time was much more focused just on being an SLP. So I was getting to the point of, you know, not leaving my career, but, you know, feeling burned out, feeling overwhelmed and, and, and really more than anything, just wondering if I was effective. I was feeling just like in my, all these kids, all this paperwork, am, am I really helping? Um, and once I stepped away from my school district position and I worked in a great district, you know, it was, I really had no complaints, but I think by the nature of that, you get pulled into a lot of other things as an SLP, as a related service provider, you know, being in multiple buildings, being asked to be on this committee, go to that training, help with this duty. And I think we tend to say yes, and where we want to be part of our team and support everyone. And so we just keep saying yes to all those things. And it wasn't until I stepped away from that and was a teletherapist where by the nature of being a teletherapist, you kind of can't be a part of those yeah. things. So you don't, you just, you're doing what you were trained to do as an SLP. And so I really felt like I had more time to give to being an SLP. I could actually look up some research and, you know, look into those things. If I had a, a student with something I hadn't seen before or something unusual and that, that was really wonderful. So yeah. I think a lot of people experience that when they make that transition and some students also respond equally as well, if not better on tel in teletherapy, some kids just, you know, these are digital natives where we are working with now. So yep. talking to somebody on a screen is no hurdle for most of them. Um, it's interesting. Some students that we have worked with we will work with, come on with the school district and they'll, you know, might tell us, you know, there's no way that this kiddo is going to sit for you is going to do this. It's just not going to happen. Sometimes those kids surprise everyone and they right. do better. They yeah. sit, they sit longer, they're more focused mm -hmm. than they were for their in-person SLP. Mm -hmm. You just never know. And so it's part of the trial of teletherapy and, you know, again, helps a great deal when you have a really good platform that has all the tools and things that you, that were built for therapy so that, um, you have those resources, you have the materials that are engaging, but also just an understanding of the process and what kind of in support in-person support is needed to make it mm -hmm. successful. So yeah. there's certainly a lot of advantages for many, both on the therapist side and for students. Um, so that's I a big part of what we spend time helping people understand and, and learn. I love that perspective about the therapist side. Cause I haven't really thought of it in that way. Like I, for myself, I was like, oh, I felt, I knew I had more time when mm -hmm. I was doing teletherapy, but from a standpoint of you do have so much more time to learn and to plan and to enhance your skill set as opposed to mm -hmm. all the different directions you're pulled when you're in person. Um, so I think that's, that's so cool to think about. Um, you talked a little bit about this, but how has your company specifically adapted to some of those challenges that teletherapy does pose that people might view as a challenge for teletherapy? Mm -hmm. Well, I will say, you know, especially in the early days of our company, we were, we were learning, um, along with everyone else. And so we learned a lot in the early, you know, 
I would say, you know, 2009, 2012, 13 in that era where we were seeing, okay, this is a challenge. It is, it is really important to have a person on the other side, we call it a primary support person who is supporting those services. So there is that component of having a body, having somebody on the other side with a student and then understanding the nuances of that, because it's not necessarily, it, you know, not all kids need somebody sitting next to them through an entire session. Maybe it's, you know, just a, that minimum level of having somebody in the room, um, which really, if you're talking about kids on the computer, there should probably always be an, an adult from the district, like in the room available. Um, most kids are very independent, but things come up, you know, the sound goes out. You just, they, they need, they need a teacher. They need a support person in the room, but we are also working with kids who are more moderate to severe end of any spectrum, um, whether it's the autism spectrum or a physical disability, intellectual disability, and they might need that one-on-one support in order to engage successfully throughout that session. So that was a lot of our learning and something that we work really hard to talk to school districts about, help them understand what is required um, so that there can be, you know, so that's um, efficacious. There is, you know, a a therapy session is happening the way it should. Um, And so, you know, that's one of the big hurdles, I think, is understanding that piece and supporting that piece as you start services, Um, but also just helping the therapist, making sure, again, that they have a great tool to use. Um, because that is, makes just such a huge difference having tech support behind you so that you're not having to, in addition to being an SLP, suddenly having to be a tech expert, that's really stressful for some people. So being able to take that burden off, I think, um, is something that we, it's really important to us, but then in just having a great community and clinical support. And so we, you know, as therapists begin with us they all have experience in the field. They know how to be an SLP, but it's learning how to transition those skills into the online environment and how to um, collaborate with teams, school teams, how to collaborate with parents, how to deliver an online evaluation, um, how to run an IEP meeting remotely, all of those pieces. And so as something that can be really overwhelming and intimidating when people first start teletherapy. And so we also... Uh, work really hard to provide both people resources and kind of learning, learning center resources uh, for therapists. I'm glad you mentioned the community part of that, as well as the support person, um, which typically looks like a parent or a caregiver. So how, how do you guys involve parents or caregivers in sessions? Cause I know mm-hmm. that can be challenging um, just in the teletherapy experience that I've had. Um, so what do you guys do for that? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, again, I think it's important to differentiate, of course, in the last, during school closures, not only were therapists thrown into teletherapy, but parents were too. And sometimes we were playing both sides of that role at the same mm-hmm. time. So, um, there were a lot of challenges there. So that is because we've worked with, for instance, virtual academies for years where, you know, they're, they're kids who are learning from home, but there was already a different expectation set. The parents are the learning coaches. There was the expectation that they would need to give some time to supporting their students. 
you know, it was all over the place for us the last couple of years, whether parents had any bandwidth or even physically in the home, because maybe they weren't home, maybe they were still leaving for jobs. So I, I want, you know, anyone who had experienced really significant challenges working with parents in the home setting um, over the last couple of years, I better maybe still interested in te- teletherapy, just understanding that there is that distinction. Um, that's not typical. We hope that's not typical, <laughs> but, you know, um, all kids are suddenly learning from home. But, you know, for instance, I developed during the shortly when things shut down, I created um, a resource that was kind of a checklist for therapists to use if they were going to be providing services in the home setting. So it's kind of a survey of the things that you might need to ask about um, the environment, kind of little things that maybe could be done to improve the physical environment for the student, um, some suggestions about siblings in the background, pets, noise, all of those things, um, and just working with the technology they had. So that was a varying levels of technology as well. Did they have a headset? Did they have um, a computer? Was it an iPad? And you know, was the internet really spotty? So I think, you know, understanding that you can only, you know, if the parents are not um, kind of signing up for this in the first place, mm-hmm. it is different. And there's going to be some stresses around that. Mm-hmm. Having said that, if in, under sort of quote unquote, typical circumstances where you have as a teletherapist, you'll have some students who are in a brick and mortar setting, but you may also be working with these virtual academies where students are home. In both scenarios, you are collaborating remotely. You're supporting either teachers, parents, um, other caregivers. And so there are different you know, methods that people use, but communication is huge. I think it's really important to set expectations up front. So making sure that the schools understand um, that you know we still want to be part of the team. We are still part of that team, even though we're not physically in the building, right. making sure parents understand we are still part of your IEP team for your students. So I am your child speech therapist. Here's my contact information. And for instance, I, I used to, in addition to calling parents and you know email, I would also have a standing um, office hour, like a virtual office hour. And so one or two hours a week, and I would let parents know, teachers know, you can log into my therapy room anytime. And, you know, kind of like when I had those the office hours mm-hmm. or a break um, when I was physically in my building. So nice. that was one way I tried to bridge uh, that gap of, you know, feeling like, okay, I'm not physically there. How am I going to mm-hmm. make this connection? Um, yeah. And that, that helped to yeah. open that up. That's a great idea. I love that office hour idea. If you have multiple families that you're working with, what a, right. what a great way to give them an opportunity to communicate mm-hmm. with you. Um, so what are, I know this is going to be my favorite part. Cause I want to pick your brain about what your favorite or your go-to resources are that you found to be like the most successful. And I know it's going to depend on age, um, with you seeing mm-hmm. K to 12, but just overall any resources or, um, tricks, go-to websites, things like that, that you found really successful on mm-hmm. your platform? Well, I will, <laughs> I will say, so our, our platform is our resource. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, not that, not that I don't have other ideas, but yeah. that is 
a huge part of what we do is yeah. mm -hmm. partnering with content developers, um, right. with publishers to actually house content in our platform. And then our, there's also the capability, in addition to being able to, you can upload documents, you can bring in YouTube videos. We have this enormous activity library. We partner with all the publishers. So we have digital versions of all the assessments um, in order to do evaluations. Yeah. Yeah. But we also have the ability, because we do know there's so much out there, like it's just overwhelming, frankly. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. It's incredible how it's much true. is out there now. <laughs> um, so therapists using our platform can also use um, site share so they can co-browse. So I can bring mm -hmm. in something like if, you know, if I have any, I can bring in Newzella or if I have an account um, with cough drop, or I can actually go to that website, pull it into my platform and use yeah. that. So, well, you know, a lot of us, I know we heard a lot about boom cards, for instance, during, yeah. <laughs> um, because that was something that helped people bring in who didn't have an interactive platform, bring some interactivity. Right. Um, so therapists can use, can use boom cards, um, mm -hmm. if they want to within our platform. So, you know, I, I, I really try to, when I talk with new therapists and we have conversations about materials and I think sometimes there's anxiety around, well, it's, I'm not going to be able to use all the things I used to love, or it's going to, I'm going to have to recreate the wheel, especially if you have a good, you have a therapy platform that has, does have built-in materials and then understanding that not everything has to be exactly the same, but there's a lot of great ways to um, either still use physical materials in both your space and the student space, mm -hmm. um, or to, you know, again, take advantage of what other therapists are doing out there. So a lot of people I know go to Teachers Pay Teachers. Um, there's just some great stuff. Like there's such creative I am not one of them. I am not a creative content creator. So <laughs> the same and, and I never was like, I, you know, I would make things once in a while and I'd see some of the things my fellow SLP right. like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's how I feel. Um, yeah. So I relied, I did a lot with books. I loved using literacy in my therapy. Um, so when I first started, that's one of the things I did is I scanned a whole bunch of my picture, favorite picture books, because I could upload those and use them just for myself and have these yep. books like in my platform, which was yeah. amazing. And I loved doing that. Um, so I think that again, just being open to resources, um, but also bringing in the physical space, I think, especially yeah. if you're working with younger kids where it is just developmentally appropriate for them to be holding on to things for them to be holding a toy. Right. Um, they need something tactile. Right. You can do that. And mm -hmm. so that is, I think sometimes a shift. Sometimes people coming to teletherapy feel like everything has to be on the screen, digital. Right. It's just not true. Um, you can, you know, expand and, and sometimes you really need to, that's, what's going to be most appropriate for the child. I was just scrolling on the presence learning website. And number one, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that you guys have your own, mm -hmm. um, like materials library. Mm -hmm. That's part of the platform, which is really right. cool. And I saw a, I don't know, like a little section on the website that said, look, who's joined our content library. And it's Mr. Potato head yeah. <laughs> and how it's literally like an interactive. And I know mm -hmm. they have boom cards for that, but how yeah. nice that it's just part of 
the website already. Right. That's so helpful for the therapist, because right. if you're an SLP, you can do following directions. You mm-hmm. can do basic concepts. You can do prepositions, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. And it's in one place. Like yeah, we all know the joy of having all the tabs, but uh-huh. like, oh, I know what and that really <laughs> is when I, you know, I was doing a lot of when, when things shut down, I was doing some webinars and mm-hmm. So I got to talk to a lot of SLPs who weren't part of our network, but they were just mm-hmm. out there having to use whatever the district was saying, okay, go use this. Yeah. And I just remember, cause I never had to do that. I started <laughs> like, like, I would be really overwhelmed and stressed if I yeah. had to think about, figure out how to like screen share and bring in another organize everything. Yeah. All, yeah. So we're super spoiled, frankly, like it's yeah. just, it is so nice to have materials in one place plus we also have scheduling and documentation. Mm-hmm. You can track data right. when you're in the therapy session. Nice. Um, yeah, it's just, it was, but it's cause it's a bill for therapy. That's why it was developed mm-hmm. in the first place. So there's okay. lots of little pieces. Um, you know, for instance, you can integrate a second camera in the therapy room. Oh, cool. So for instance, if I am working with a student who has an AC device on mm-hmm. my side, I have a second camera so I can have that document camera over my iPad, where maybe I have the mm-hmm. cough drop app pulled up mm-hmm. and the student also can have that second camera. So I'm never losing their face. I'm not having right. to do anything funky with like the main camera. I can still see them, but I can also see what their interface looks like, how they're interacting with that um, device interface. Right. Um, and then of course for OT services and things like that, it's really becomes even more yeah. crucial, but Um, you know, I can turn off my students' mouse access if they are a little click happy and distracted, I can turn (laughs) it off and turn it back on just things like that, that are, are, it's important therapeutically because it matters. It, it, it allows you as a therapist to focus on the therapy session and not kind of worry about all these other logistics. Speaking of our click happy friends, can you talk to us a little bit about behavior management? Because I know that's something that can be very overwhelming or intimidating when you're on a teletherapy platform Mm -hmm. and the student can walk away from the computer. I know I have experienced that because when my school district went virtual due to the pandemic, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a self-contained EI room in my Mm -hmm. building and when they were done or over it and they didn't want to participate, it was goodbye. See you later. So, um, what would you say? What are some tips for that? Or like, how would you, you know, encourage them to be most productive in those sessions? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. I remember one junior high student in particular who, once he figured out he could turn on off his camera on his side, he just oh, thought yeah. it was the funniest thing yeah. ever. So, oh, no. <laughs> you know, it is, it's just, it's yet another way that kids will learn some way that they can try to kind of control their situation. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, the, the challenging part again, with the last couple of years is that you all doing teletherapy in the home setting where the parents, again, a lot of variance in how involved they were able to be, were all of those pieces. Um, yeah, if there's not, if there's not an adult in the room who is supporting what that child is supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. there's not a lot you can, I mean, you can't stop a child from walking away from the computer, right? If they just decide they're done and there's not another adult there. So right you know, to that extent, there is a point where it's like, well, you know, you, at some point there's going to be a consequence for that. They're not attending therapy, but 
moment to moment, you know, again, having tools, if you are, if you happen to have a therapy room that gives you tools where mm-hmm. you can turn off their mouse, um, if that's their distraction, you can, again, we, we have the ability, I can turn off a student's video feed just of themselves. So oh. I still see them. They still see me. Yeah. Mm, that's cool. distracted by seeing themselves. They mm-hmm. are yeah. just making faces or they're trying to make the kids laugh. And it yeah. every right. time Yeah, so you can shut that down and say, okay, when you're ready, we're going to come yeah. back. Um, I, you know, I, even just sometimes if we're in an activity and they're getting squirrely, I can, you know, similar. And I always think of what, what did I do when I was there in person? Mm-hmm. Right. If I had a game board and they weren't, you know, somebody wasn't playing the way they were supposed to, they're messing around the game pieces. I can take that away. I can pull it off of the desk. Okay. We're going to regroup and talk about this in the teletherapy world in our platform. I can pull our video over the activity. So essentially taking mm-hmm. the activity away, we're going to refocus. We're just going to talk for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then I can bring the activity back. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of rewards. So we have very cool for little kids, little cute things you can send across the screen and make noises, but we have like gifts that you can customize. And so oh, fun. The, yeah, they are. They're like great for the kids who have, are just obsessed with a character and you can yeah. like find that character and like send it across the screen. And, um, but we also have like a stop sign or like a slow down little turtle. So those types of things that I feel like kind of within the typical range of reinforcement and needing to keep kids engaged, mm-hmm. um, for our other friends who are not going to be, that's not enough for them. Mm-hmm. It really is about working with the, that person, like whoever is there physically with them. So right. if that child, if they already have a reinforcement schedule, um, you know, how do you coordinate with them to make sure, okay, if every time, if, if what they usually get is every 10 minutes, they get a Skittle. Mm-hmm. Um, for staying focused, then that person has to give them the skittle. You're not going to be able to help with that. <laughs> so right. <laughs> continuing that um, and just making sure that you're part of that plan. And, you know, again, if it, if it is something where the, you just don't have that on-site support mm-hmm. under normal circumstances, that's where we have a discussion with the school. That's where we have a discussion with the parents and say, this is part of supporting your child through the therapy session and it can't be okay for them to get up and leave. And so, you know, and there can be lots of reasons for that. Maybe they are just pushing buttons and they're seeing what they can get away with, or maybe they're overstimulated. Maybe there is something that is actually, um, they need to get away from the screen. And so then you need to think about, okay, how do we approach this a little bit differently? Um, maybe we need to think about activities that do step, take them away from the computer for five minutes. And we're going to stand up and do some jumping jacks, um, you know, we're going to do something different than engages them, give them a physical break. So mm-hmm. depending on the why, uh, why they are stepping away from the computer, I think you would address it in different ways. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what advice then, you know, besides behavior management, cause that's always mm-hmm. really important. Um, <laughs> but what advice would you give to SLPs, both, both SLPs that have been working with teletherapy, especially, mm-hmm. um, starting in the pandemic and maybe they're mm-hmm. starting to feel a little like, Oh, I'm running out of ideas. Right. Um, and newer SLPs that are starting in teletherapy, what mm-hmm. advice would you give them? So I think I, would ask, tell everyone to do your research, you know, look at, ask other colleagues, ask people out there who have been doing teletherapy for a while, um, what it is that has been helpful to them, what they like, what they don't like. And for people who 
are really just burnt on it, or they feel like this is ineffective. It's a terrible certain way to deliver services. Uh, well, I mean, if they're not interested in doing teletherapy, then that's, that's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Mean, <laughs> fortunately, ho- hopefully nobody has to, if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's just growing interest. Mm-hmm. And so for people who are interested, but are really wary because maybe they did have a bad experience. Um, I would say that it really can be very different that the circumstances of the last couple of years are not typical to quality teletherapy. It's just Mm -hmm. not what it is. And so seeking out um, those organizations that have been doing this for a while and can help you with resources, can help you with with training, can help you with that community of other SLPs who are working in the same platform. And, um, you know, we have, we now are, you know, have over 2000 therapists in our network. And that was another huge realization for me is, and very counterintuitive initially that I actually expanded my network of SLPs when I became a teletherapist, as opposed to when I was in person, because I just didn't see my other SLP colleagues that much when I was in the school district, because we were all in our own buildings. And, um, so joining presence learning, I suddenly did have a community of people who really wanted to collaborate and share ideas and resources and, Um, So I would, yeah, I would say anybody who is interested just to reach out, ask questions um, and, you know, don't, don't let the negative, any negative of the last couple of years deter you if you are interested in delivering teletherapy. Yeah. Great advice. I love that. Um, So Kristen, if people have questions or if they want to reach out to you, how, mm-hmm. how can they do that? Let's end with that. If they're interested in learning mm-hmm. more about your guys's um, platform and your company. Mm-hmm. So they certainly can email me uh, just at kristen.martinez at presencelearning.com. Perfect. Our website, there's lots of, op- there's lots of different ways you can reach out to our recruiting team. Um, if you're potentially interested in contracting with us, if you're interested in the platform, there's other sources for that. Um, can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, so some people find me there and message me on LinkedIn. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of information on our website. So if there's some videos, um, people can have play, like dig around. And um, if they just want to have a better idea of what we're about before they actually talk to somebody. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was, this was wonderful. And we loved learning about all that your platform has to offer. This was really insightful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thanks. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode. Thank you again so much for joining us. And as always, you can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet at gmail.com. And you can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. So make sure you give those a like and a follow. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or my Facebook page, Kindly Speech LLC. And if anyone in the Ohio area is in need of speech teletherapy, please contact me, kindlyspeechllc at gmail.com. Rachel and I also have an email for the podcast that you can email us with suggestions, or if you or someone you know wants to be on the podcast, that's let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.